This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before this episode begins, I want to personally invite you to become a socio. It means member, shareholder. It means you join us and support us. Every month, we produce one exclusive big interview and a documentary special, all for our socios. Sign up now at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. And you'll not only get this month's shows, but also unlock our entire beautiful archive. The latest interview is with Roberto Di Matteo, and this month's documentary is titled Pep Talk, where we delve into Pep Guardiola's developing and interesting relationship with the British media. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to become one of our growing and much-loved army of socios. This compilation show comes to you from the, from the treatment table. Don't worry. The big interview is as fit and as healthy as ever. We've just gone back to find out what some of our guests from season two had to say about injuries. Celtic goalkeeper Craig Gordon retraces the steps he took on the long road to recovery from a tear in the patella tendon of his left knee, an injury which left him in almost constant pain for two years. A back problem put a teenage Neil Lennon out of football for 18 months and he reveals that only a bone-shuddering challenge during a game against Rochdale convinced him that he was back. Stevie Archibald also tells us that being maimed by Rangers' Tom Forsyth helped him to become a more clever striker before we hear from Stan Petrov and how his brave, inspirational, successful fight against leukaemia has changed how he lives his life today and how many others benefit from his charitable work. Strictly speaking, cancer may not be an injury, but believe me, the message from Stan Petrov is one that we should all take the time to listen to. I asked you permission before we started the big interview about going to this subject, but I mean, how are you here? How are you in the best form of your life, playing Champions League football, a better goalkeeper now, when you spent, what, two years when the game had kind of if not turned its back on you, it'd given up on helping you get back and only your force of will got you back. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work. Um, but I had a tear in my patella tendon that, that didn't heal particularly well. Um, on my sorry, four or five months after my first operation, I, I'd done it again and um, there, there wasn't really a great deal the, the surgeon could do in the 
the, the second time round. Um, he did say it could take up to two years to, to fully heal itself, um, which turned out to be just about right. Um, uh, my contract was up at, at Sunderland. It, it didn't get renewed. I think they they probably feared the worst for me at that stage as well, and that, that, I, that I wouldn't get back. So, yeah, I went out on my own and, and researched it, tried to find the, the possible treatments that I, that I could do. Uh, I'd already had I had three knee operations on that side, two on the tendons, so there wasn't there wasn't really a great deal more to be gained by uh, operations. Um, nothing that had been successful. There was a few kind of exploratory ones that they, they could have tried something, but I, I didn't want to go down that route. So I, I looked at all the the other treatments that, that weren't so invasive, the, the different types of injection I could get, and just basically went through them all. Um, I had PRP injections in, in Barcelona. I went there to... Was that Curat? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Infamous. Uh, brilliant. Over the years. Yeah. Saved careers. So many so, times. So, uh, yeah, I had, I had four injections with, with him um, in Barcelona, and then also I had high volume injections in London uh, where they they basically they, they blow up round about the tendon to, to squeeze it as tightly mm. as possible okay. to try and um, to try and kill the, the blood vessels that are growing into it because mm. that's what, what causes the pain so I mean they all to some degree worked um, it, it steadily began to improve um, and, and then I, I was able to start doing some exercise again uh, even then that still took a whole season of, of building that up um, I had um, I'd went to, to Rangers at that point to, to work with their physio a guy called Stephen Walker who had um, rehabbed successfully I think it was a, a Norwegian player who I think is now back in in, uh, in Norway now but uh, had successfully rehabbed one of those injuries before and uh, and had a little bit of experience, so so that definitely helped me as well. He, yeah, he was he was good at putting a program together for me, and, and we just took it really slowly. Um, it took near enough a, a whole season to to get right to the point I was I was out on the training field, and, and there, there was a few teething problems, but overall I, I was managing to get through three training sessions a week. Um, and you know, at the end of all that, I I managed to to get a deal at, at Celtic and, and so this is my, my third season here now I've no problem with the knee whatsoever There's, uh, I don't have to do anything special to to maintain it or, or or look after it I can do every single training session and uh, and that's the, the reason I'm, I'm feeling so good and so fit mm-hmm. and ready to play I sat once um, before the verdict came through with John Mark Bosman when Europe had abandoned him completely he was broke uh, sold all his furniture, moved back in with his parents, drinking too much. Sat and chatted to Marco Senna about his knee ligaments giving way three times and being told by the club, it's because you've got a, an unlucky number on your back, give it up, no, I won't. Mm-hmm. Darren Fletcher, a guy who's been on this series before, who I like and admire enormously, being told the only way that you can recuperate from this is get Premier League fit and we operate again. It'll set you back to zero. You'll have to get Premier League fit again. We'll operate again, and you can be sure that there are three of these coming. Mm-hmm. And I often ask them, like, 
why do they, where does the strength come from and, and why did they continue? What, what made you continue and where did you, what did you learn about your own strength? Well, to start with, when I, when I left Sunderland, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, that I didn't see a way back. The, the pain was so bad that it was difficult to, to go up and downstairs. I had to go downstairs sideways because I, hmm. I couldn't bend my knee. I couldn't hmm. take any weight through my knee at all. She's very scary. To, you can say that quickly, but that's no longer just about your sporting profession. That's about your yeah, that was daily human life. mobility. Yeah, that was... That's a really scary that thing was in every day. Every day, that was that was painful. Um, just just walking around, and I remember going on holiday, and, and just after I left Sunderland, I went to, to New York and, and found it really difficult to to just walk around and thinking, is this is this my life? Is this what it's going to be like? Um, so, for for a good few months after I, I left Sunderland, I, I didn't do anything at all, um, but slowly began to think that I had to give it one more shot, mm. that I hadn't exhausted every opportunity to try and get back, that, that I hadn't tried enough. And, and then I set out looking at all the things I, I possibly could do to try. And then I knew that if I had tried all those things and it didn't work, that, OK, I can, I can live with that. That's the concept that spiritually you can look yourself in the mirror and yeah. say... I, I didn't give up too yeah. soon. I gave it everything I, I had, and okay, it didn't work, but there wasn't anything that I that I didn't try in in pursuit of getting there. When, when, were there moments when it was too much? When you were who helped you, and, and were there moments where you're like, I'm not sure I can take this. Yeah, yeah, there was um, a few times. There was a a couple of little setbacks where I thought I'd be doing all right, and I would. I'd get outside, maybe do a, a couple of football sessions, and and then it, it would get sore again. Um, and you know, I'd maybe have to, to have a week or two, but it's not doing anything. with just doing light exercise, and I knew I needed to to break through that that last little bit if I was was going to make a make a career out of it again. And yeah, there, there was there was definitely times where I just didn't feel like going in that I, I couldn't. Bothered going back there, it was just it was too painful and mentally it was getting too tough. But I, my wife would remind me that like you've not got anything else to do, so you may as well go and do it. So just get out of the house. So, so I did, there, there wasn't anything else for me at that point. You know, I, I wanted to, to make sure that I had given it everything, um, and that's, that's all everybody had to remind me was. Make sure you give it your best shot, and each time I thought, you know, I've still got more, um, and I, I can go back to this, and I'll get there. Are you spiritual? No. Are you stubborn? I'm stubborn, definitely <laughs> stubborn. Yeah, my Capricorn, so that helps. Is that, very stubborn. There's a good song in there. Is it Capricorn? Capricorn. I'm Larry. You're too old to remember the <laughs> drift. Probably. Yeah. But it's a disco era. <laughs> Would people that know you recognise that about you prior to you having to fight back from? the brink of not playing, that there's a certain stubbornness. Yeah, the people that are close enough to me know that I'm, I'm quite stubborn. I can be, if I want to be, quite quite selfish and do what I need to do. And, and I think you need a level of that to yeah. to even get anywhere in yeah. this game. You, you need to, to look after yourself and make sure that you, 
Now you're number one and that, that you're, you're doing everything you can for your career. And you know, I'd like to think that I'm a, I'm a nice guy off the pitch that, um, that people probably don't see that side of me, but, but certainly on the pitch then in, in a football environment, I, I can be stubborn and do what I need to do. It's my firm belief. We've had five million listens since we started this series. People of all ages, countries, um, interests. There's a small thing. I didn't set out to get this, but I think there's a small thing to pass on there. Can you confirm to, to those who aren't elite footballers or elite sportsmen or women in any, but maybe have an illness or maybe have damaged their bodies or maybe are struggling mentally or physically, just the value of exhausting all the options, continuing, having faith, believing that, that you you can change, if not your destiny, you can change your situation. Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, that's what I did. I just looked at all my possible options and and made sure that I, I exhausted every avenue possible. Um, and I think what I said earlier, that if you can then look yourself in the mirror and, and say that you've done everything you possibly can, you've fought the best fight, then that's okay. You know, that, that's... That's fine by me. If I have given it everything I can, I look back at the end of my career and I've ended up with six, seven, eight more years out of it, then that's something to be proud of in itself, regardless mm. of, of what I've done previously or go on to do in my career, that, that that achievement of getting back to playing even any kind of sport from where I was will probably be the biggest achievement in my career. writing this week about Ronaldo winning the Ballon d'Or. The only Scottish Ballon d'Or winner comes from my city, Dennis Law Aberdeen. Born with a squint, a terrible squint, such that when Huddersfield signed him, I think it was Bill Shankly, like, they thought they got the wrong fella, literally. He was that scrawny, and he couldn't see properly out of one eye. Leo Messi, everybody knows he was so small, he had a growth, uh, slowness in growth, so he had to take growth hormones. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been a professional footballer. It was painful, he had to self-inject. People forget Ronaldo had open heart surgery at 15. Now you, you went through, because of exactly what you're talking about, as a kid you overplayed mm. to the extent that it damaged your spine. So you had to go through that process of spinal surgery. Yeah. Which, one, tests your fortitude as a man, or as a young man then, but presumably having been through that, you can relate to whatever happened to Dennis Law, to Messi, to Ronaldo, going, right, if this is fixed, here's what I'm going to do with my life and with my ability. Do you recognise that? Yeah, basically I was at the bottom of the food chain. Um, by the time I had the surgery, I was at crew. We got relegated to Division 2. and I got player of the year that season, but I was told halfway through the season that I was going to need spinal surgery um, where they take a, a sliver of bone off your hip and fuse it into your back and um, I thought well that's okay, it's, it's a back operation it'll not take long so I asked the specialist long over the out for and he said you know you'll be out for 18 months and at 19 that is you know devastating you know it already had a disappointment of being released by Man City you know I thought I'd found a good home with crew and then to be told that I was going to be out for 18 months it was a lifetime and it, it was it put me in some really uncompromising positions I had to wear a corset for six months ladies um, 
had a big plaster cast around me for, for three months where I, I convalesced at home really. I was in the hospital for two weeks in a ward with some 60 and 70 year olds. I think a couple of them died actually in the two weeks I was there. Thankfully one of them did, he never fucking shut up for it. <laughs> and I, I, had my 20, I had my 20th birthday in a hospital ward lying on my side eating a, eating a Chinese. So the way back was a long, long way. The way back just the plane was a long way. The way back to where I wanted to get to was, you know, a lifetime away. But, you know, I had to do the work. Crew looked after me really well. I, I did a lot of work in a, in a pool on my own where you were just running with an aqua jogger on length after length after length. Um, gym work. I ended up getting quite stocky around the upper body and because I was doing a lot of gym work. And all that time I'm watching the, the games and it was really frustrating. Um, and then my first couple of games back, after a long, long time out, uh, obviously you're very rusty. But we're playing Rochdale on a typical Friday night like this at Scotland, where they didn't have changing rooms, they just poured the cabins. It's pissing down the rain, and it's soaking, and we are a crew who like to play good football, and Rochdale are, you know, up and at him, sleeves rolled up. And then a player called Sean Reed, who's Peter Reed's brother, and he had legs like tree trunks, just like his brother. And 15 minutes into the game, he just went through me like a hot knife through butter. And up I went, and I went bang on my back. And you're lying there going, well, this will test it. So I got up, nothing wrong with me, felt fine. And that was it, I was away again. And that was basically getting over the rehab, getting over the mental sort of worry about how the back was going to fare up and that. So that tackle more or less gave me a lot of confidence after that. 
you learn to know because you know very quickly. Uh, I remember playing at Ibrooks and and uh, Tom Forsyth was sent in centre half, and Tom Forsyth was a unforgiving <laughs> defender, and and uh, you know you wanted to let you know right away, and so. Early on in my career, I got, you know, he went right over the ball to me, hit my shin, took a chunk out my leg, and, you know, and he almost ended my career. Whether he did it deliberately or not, we'll never know, but I doubt it. He was just a big guy, and he came in, and he was going to get the ball or get me one or two, but anyway, he took a chunk out. So, with all these little things that go on, you learn quickly what's for you and what's not for you, you know, and you learn how to, you know, get a little angle there and... And, and how to fend him off and then take him in there because you want to go in there. There's just a, a multitude of different things uh, to lose a defender, to take any, if you get any fear factor at all, to get rid of that. So you, you, you progress, your, your learning curve is, has got to be quick and it's got to be correct. And luckily mine was quick and, and, and correct and I was able to, to handle defenders and knew where I wanted to take them before I, wanted to, before I went back to what I really wanted to do. So you've got to sell a story to a central defender, if you're a striker or a right-back, whoever it is. You've got to sell the story way before the ball's anywhere near you and lull them into false insecurity and then do what you want to do. It's hard to believe, given how immersed Neil and I feel in your world right now, this has been a truly extraordinary experience because I'm going to go out of here and I'm going to, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live by the petrol rules. I might even have a chance at Premier League football now. Um, got a chance. <laughs> but I, I watched a documentary after you um, had beaten leukemia. I was really moved by, by two things that I, that I saw there that if it's okay to ask you about. Of course. And stop me if it's I not. I don't have anything to There's two things. One is second importance. that Around football in Britain, starting with the Villa fans, I didn't feel there was just a feeling about there's a good guy who's fighting a potentially fatal battle. A good guy who's been hit by an illness that's unfair we support him. There seemed to be, to me, a really extraordinary outpouring of love and affection for a Bulgarian man who'd moved to Scotland and England. And it's my impression that that must have felt helpful in finding strength to go through the, the dreadful ordeal that you did. But secondly, when I watched this documentary and both you and your wife, Paulina, you, you were talking on it, she came through as an extraordinary woman and somebody who... It felt to me, listening to the two of you talk, had been fundamental in saving your life. Yeah, you know, we, we had a probably over an hour talking with something, um, something that I've grown up to be, learned to be, what it had to be. But then I've entered a different life, being diagnosed with leukemia, type of cancer. I was acute lymphoblastic leukemia, that's uh, leukemia in the blood. So literally no immune system at all. Cancer is in the blood. Uh, I was given the news, and at that time, at that time, like I say, I wasn't nervous. I was scared. I was scared. I was fragile. I was confused. And I tell you why. Because first of all, I didn't have that much knowledge with what I need to go through, what I've been diagnosed with, what I need to deal with, how much that will change my life altogether. Uh, for being being a footballer, I worked really hard to to be a footballer, to be somebody, to look at back to my career and tell my kids what I've done, what I've achieved, who I played with, what stadium I've been in, what I've done all all together as a footballer. Then that was moved away from everything. My kids now see 
the dead dad was fighting with cancer. Nothing about football. Mm. Every headline that you see now, you know, internet these days could be dangerous as well. Mm. You Google my name is about my leukemia battle. My faces when I was looking different, when I was on a steroids, chemotherapies. That changed my life completely. Uh, you know, we say, I always say, and I don't run away to it. I've never hide. I've never, you know, being a footballer, it's, it's a great honor. Being a footballer, you've got a chance to live your life differently, you know, having more luxury cars, luxury life, you know, all this. From moving to that to fighting for your life, it was the same experience. It changed my life completely. I've managed to recycle again everything I've done and I've managed to see what is to lose your life. Mm -hmm. I knew what I'm going to lose. I knew the, the valuable of life. I managed to land that in a hard way. And sometimes we're talking about finding your perfect half. I managed to do that. You know, it's funny, like, you always question the honesty, the ability to be loved from somebody beside you. And a moment like that, just showing you how big the love is, how strong, how powerful the love is. And I've managed to have a great wife beside me because being a father, being a husband, you've got a lot of responsibilities. But when you're fragile and you fight for your life, it's not just your fight, it's everybody's fight around you. And my wife forgot about her life, my kid's life. And she specifically concentrated on my life, saving me, saving me. And when we talk about it, she say, I can't imagine my life without you. And for this, I needed to fight. She needed to fight through a lot. You know, as a mother, she gave up on her kids. My kids was for, for two years, they were, they were raised from our moms and dads. It will be three months, my mom and dad will be three months, Paulina's family as well. They'll be looking after the kids. Kids won't be able to see us because I wasn't allowed. My immune system was low. I was in intensive chemotherapies. I was in a hospital. You know what, what was the strangest things? You know, we, we don't appreciate little things in life. I remember being in a hospital for seven weeks without coming out of the room because I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed any visitors. I wasn't allowed to get out. I wasn't allowed to go in a corridor because I, my immune system was wiped out. I was zero. And I couldn't afford to pick any viruses, bacteria, because I didn't have anything to fight it. So I was seven weeks. My wish was to get out downstairs on the fresh air for a minute. I was begging doctors, nurses, professors, everybody who was there for a minute outside, and I wasn't allowed. That was my only wish. As a man who went through so much, your wish in life is to... Smell the fresh air, to experience the world, the noise. That was it. Mm. And I couldn't get it. Then you realize what you're going to miss, what you're going to lose, how, how precious life is. Now when my boy said to me, it's raining outside, it's cold, Dad, you want to play football? Yeah, of course I want to play football. <laughs> I'll build the trampoline we last night, 10 o'clock in the evening. My little boy said, Dad, we're we, we going to go and jump on the trampoline. I was in my pyjama, of course I'm going to go. We went and jumped for an hour. I'm knackered this morning, but you know what? <laughs> I, come up, I, I woke up with a smile and something that I appreciate because I know what is to lose it. 
I've been lucky to still have it. And the support of the fans, what, we, what you touched about it, they've become part of my life. They've become a great support and they've become something that I'll never forget. Something they've given me a lot of strength. You know, the 90-minute um, applause. People still, you know, talk about that 90-minute, the game, the game at Celtic. The letters, the millions of letters I had from people around the world, even people that don't support football, being part of that fight is just incredible. You've seen some extraordinary parts of the human spirit. What you have yourself, Paulina, and people around the world. In, in a world where day by day it's easy to despair about the stupidity and the greed and Brexit and Trump and you worry about the future of the world for your children... And you're able to say, listen, people, you know, there's, there's extraordinary good and power and kindness and generosity immediately around you. Life is a very interesting thing. I've seen a lot of people that lost their lives. I've come across, I've sat with people. I've become very friendly with people when I was having treatment and a lot of them lost their lives. Mm. I've sat across with two young boys who was told that, They've got a week to live. Now, you can imagine me and you talking about stuff. We're talking about the past. We're talking about, you know, for the future, what, we could, what we're looking for. We're having a, a general discussion. But how are you going to speak with somebody who wants to speak to you and tell you that they've told him he's dying and there's nothing they can do for him? So you're sitting across the room. You're speaking to him. And it was about 20 minutes silence because I couldn't find a word. He just can't find a word. What would you say? And this is the moments that you really appreciate, you know. And this is the moments that you cherish, you know, that you know the value, the value of life. You know, this is something that I need to deal and still dealing with it. People having last wishes to speak to me, you know. Because when you go through something like that, people going through it and being the end of their life and there's nothing that they can do, they can talk to you about stuff that other people don't understand. Because they, understand, they believe you know what was happening inside their head yes. and their heart. Yes. Mm. And the support I had, you know, people battle this horrible disease on their own. And I've managed to battle it with the support of millions, which I always say I'm a, I'm a very, very lucky man. To get this month's exclusive Di Matteo big interview, plus that Pep Guardiola documentary, it is time to become a socio. In doing so, you'll also unlock our entire archive of exclusive episodes, which include Rafa van der Vaart, Ledley King, Robbie Keane, Jermaine Defoe and Kevin Phillips. Think about the goals, the quality and the stories that that lot hold. The big interview costs much more to produce than every other football podcast on your feed. Why? It's mainly because I have to travel to every interview from Spain and my producers need to do so from Scotland. The adverts and sponsorship you hear barely cover costs. Should you become a socio, you'll be helping keep us on the road and help keep us delivering the interviews that you've all been enjoying since 2015. Sign up right now for just £2.99 per month and you'll be supporting the future of The Big Interview and helping us to continue producing entertaining independent content. Go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash 
Graham Hunter. Support us. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 